This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Tuesday, June the 21st, the first day of the biggest rail strikes in a generation. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. And we're going to start on the trains where tens of thousands of workers have walked out in a row about jobs and pay. It means there are very few services running in Kent. In fact, only 35 out of 180 southeastern stations are open. And just a handful of trains are leaving from Dartford, Ebbsfleet and Ashford International Stations. However, our reporter Leanne Castle did manage to get on board the first train to leave Ashford this morning. I've just arrived in St Pancras International, having taken the 748 high-speed service from Ashford. That was the first train to leave Ashford today, and the high-speed service is the only one that's leaving from Ashford at all. Um, What would normally have been a very busy commuter train was actually relatively quiet for the time of day. It was still busy, there were still plenty of people on board, but lots of seats still available. those who were travelling were those who were just desperate to get to work, many of them already several hours late and unfortunately those delays are only likely to continue with several more strikes going on on the tubes. And during the journey Leanne managed to catch up with several passengers including Jeff, Catherine and Frank who all had to get the train to work. I don't get paid if I don't work so obviously I've got to go to work. And what do you do for a living? Uh, Bricklayer. Okay, so are you travelling into London? I am, yeah. Okay. And then obviously there's no tubes either, so now we're going to get a bus. And how does that make you feel? You must be quite frustrated by it all. Yeah, I'm not very happy with that. So it's more of a, a necessary journey for you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Great. And what do you think of the strike action? Well, I don't really agree with it. I think nurses and doctors are more deserving. Plus, they've had, they've had billions. They've had billions. Uh, from the government, you know, and uh, uh, and a lot of them are furloughed. So how's, how's that work out? You know, I'm not happy. So so far this morning, how's your journey been so far? Has it been okay at the moment? Well, I'm two hours late. Are you? Yeah. The reason I'm going to travel to work is because I can't not go to work. Otherwise, I won't get paid. So obviously, I had to go in, even there's no train. And you can't work from home at all. No. So what do you do for a living? Um, I work in the shop, so I'm a visual merchandiser. So I, my work is physical up at the store. There's no way for me to turn it to do it at home. And obviously there's a lot of strikes today. How has your journey been impacted already? So it's basically I would have to get a taxi to Ashford and then from Ashford get the train into London. So that's already like a massive sort of like impact and then I usually start at seven o'clock and obviously now it's like eight o'clock so so this is the first train you could get um are are your work okay with it yeah they're fine with it they're more and understand about it but at the same time it's not really great because the train for tomorrow is even worse for me so the train the first train leaving from Ash from Canterbury is going to be at midday which is like four hours already into my shift I've got to be because I'm management what do you do for a living? I'm a plumber, uh, supervisor, manager. Uh, um, work for a big company. So if they don't have management there, they can't work. Must be frustrating for you though. What kind of delays have you faced already this morning? Well, I'm normally there for seven o'clock, so it's an hour and a half. Um, it's going to be awkward, but at least people can work and earn money because they're all self-employed. 
You've obviously got to leave a little bit earlier as well today though. Are you going to get the last train back? I will be, yeah. yeah. As I say, if, they're not, if I ain't there, they can't work. Which is... <laughs> the knock-on effects on the strike. But a lot of people have lost money today because they can't get in. Um, it's being self-employed. Uh, it's going to cause a lot of people a lot of grief. Um, a lot of people have got mortgages, bills, and if they can't get in, that's a knock-on effect from the strike. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has described today's strike as unnecessary aggravation and more walkouts are planned for Thursday and Saturday. Labour had been calling on the government to get around the negotiating table with the unions, but that didn't happen. And there's a threat of more strikes up until Christmas. So there could be much more disruption for passengers. Alicia Andrews is from Southeastern. She's been speaking to our reporter, Chantal Weller. We've prepared to run a limited service for about 12 operating hours today. That means the first train left at about 7.48 and the last train out of St Pancras will leave at 5.33. So we're just making sure that we have um, a controlled method for people who do need to travel. We've encouraged everybody who can to replan their journey for another day that won't be affected by the industrial action. But we understand some people do need to travel so we want to make their journey as smooth as we possibly can and really for those that can't travel to say how sorry we are that this has disrupted their plans we do understand it's inconvenient. How many people were you expecting to be using the trains today? Were you expecting as many as there were this morning or were there significantly less? So it's it's the first train of the day I think it was slightly quieter than we might have expected but we're not sure how the day will progress we have encouraged people not to travel in the last couple of days it's really important that everybody's journey is safe Um, and secure and so making sure that that happens is important and for people that have had to replan their journeys it's really important also to get the message out to them that they can get onto our website and claim a refund uh, for their ticket as well as find out the timetables not only for strike days but for Wednesday, Friday and Sunday which will be affected by the industrial action as well. How long do you expect this to go on for and how much is it costing you? In terms of how long it's going to go on for, I think it's really difficult to speculate. We know now that we have the three days and the three subsequent days. Our focus is on making sure that everybody's journey in the next seven days is as effective as possible. In terms of the cost, the cost is uh, difficult to calculate at this point. Really important to understand that in terms of the government funding for the railways through the pandemic, the government has put in around £16 billion of incremental funding. That equates to about £600 per household. So we are really looking forward to being able to work with our colleagues to find a resolution to this dispute. We want to be able to give them a pay rise and to move forward and create the sustainable railway that Kent deserves. The roads didn't seem to be quite as busy as many had feared they would be, perhaps because more people have decided to work from home. Of course, we're all very used to that following the pandemic. There are other options as well. Roland Stanley runs a co-working site in Rochester and they had several inquiries about hiring desk space. We had had quite a few inquiries towards the end of last week. Um, we ran an offer off, offering free co-working to anyone that's affected by the train strike. So yeah, we've certainly seen people that actually can't get out to London this week that actually don't want to work from home. But want somewhere different to work. And how has the business been for you over the past year? Because I know we spoke about pandemic and more people wanting to to do kind of that sort of hybrid working. Has it been particularly busy recently? Yes. Yeah, it has been busy, yes. And we've seen a real mix of people coming to use the co-working space that pre-pandemic we wouldn't have seen. Uh, We've also seen larger businesses as well approaching us uh, and buying multiple memberships for their staff that maybe work within Medway. Uh, which we didn't see before the pandemic. 
Uh, so all these new people are finding out a new way of work, not just the employees, but the employers want to look after their employees uh, and give them somewhere nice to work that's not actually at home. Well, you can always get the very latest travel info via our live blog at Kent Online. Plus, we have regular travel updates on our sister radio station, KMFM. And now we can hear from Rob Clayton, who's from our travel news provider, Inrix. There's not really very many trains running at all across Kent. Um, the only ones that are going to run is the Dartford to London Bridge lines, all three of them running through southeast London. Seven Oaks trains run to London Bridge, and then the high speed runs from Ashford to St Pancras International. That's basically it. There's nothing to Charing Cross or to Cannon Street. There's nothing to Victoria. There's no Thameslink services and there's no Southern services out of Tombridge or from Ashford either. The Eurostar is running on a reduced service. Eurotunnel should be okay. And for Southeastern, there's no buses running to replace the trains either. So, Rob, as you say, very few trains running uh, this week then. How do you think it could all affect things on the roads? Basically, not quite sure. You know, there hasn't been this kind of rail outage for such a long time it's hard to predict you know is are people going to be getting in their cars instead of getting on the train i'm not sure office workers were you know mostly working from home through covid so i think if there's an option for that a lot of people will take that instead obviously there's many industries that can't work from home so you may find more journeys locally but the idea of everybody getting in their cars and driving off to the office in london having to pay for the uh, mission zone the congestion charge the parking i just don't think that's going to happen how do you think we've changed our habits since the pandemic when we all had to work from home we didn't have a choice i think from the pandemic if any thing it's shown that there's diversity in how people can work and where they can work from um you know the idea of going to the office monday to friday nine to five it's almost an old-fashioned idea now there's obviously many industries who can't do that retail nursing um, hospitals and all that uh, element of people who don't just sit at a desk all day so they will still have to go to work how will they get there Mm, that's a good question Buses, maybe, walking, cycling, depending on how far it is. But yeah, the idea of everybody jumping in their cars and just driving to work instead, I think is quite an old-fashioned notion, especially for office workers, and especially in this climate after COVID, because it has set the precedent for people to be able to work from, you know, many different places. And do you have, finally, any advice for anyone who does need to travel this week? Knowledge is power. It's a cliche, but check ahead before you set out. You know, there's all sorts of travel data available. The travel page on the KM FM website is powered by us at Inrix, so that's got all the latest incidents and accidents and disruption. There's maps you can check as well. If you know that there's going to be a delay, you're not going to be quite so as annoyed. Um, if you're not driving, buses are going to be really busy. If you're doing a short journey, you know, the weather's not bad this week, so could you walk? Could you cycle? Um, you know, there's other options like that and thinking outside the box of if you can work from home, great, do it, see if your boss will let you. If you can't and you've got to go to work, then yeah, have a check. And some of the websites are straining under the amount of pressure of people checking. So, you know, not just National Rail, Southeastern are worth a look at as well. We would really like to know what you think about the strikes today. You can comment on the stories or via our socials. And if you do click on the story on Kent Online, we've also got a poll there. You can vote on whether you're in favour of the strike action or not. So if you do regularly travel by train, what about refunds if you've already got a ticket for this week? Well, on Southeastern's website, 
website, they say if you have a daily or advanced tickets for travel on the 21st, 23rd or 25th, you can use the ticket either on the day before the date of the ticket or through until the following Monday and Tuesday. Daily ticket holders can claim a full refund. There will be no admin fee. Advanced ticket holders can either apply for a full refund with no admin fee or return to the original retailer for an e-voucher. Season ticket holders can use delay repay to claim a day travel back if they choose not to travel on the day of the strike. For flexi ticket holders to receive delay repay, you must have activated a pass for the day you're claiming. And weekly tickets, they recommend that you just don't buy a weekly season ticket during the industrial action. If you already have a weekly ticket, then you can go and get a refund. You can also get details on this story and what's happening on the trains for the rest of the week by heading to Kent Online. Kent Online News. Away from the strikes, and this is our most read story on the website today. A former Kent reception teacher who banged a pupil's head on a doorframe while dragging them out of a classroom has been banned from the profession. CCTV also showed Corinne Culver lifting and carrying the girl at Tiger Primary in Maidstone, while other staff complained about her holding another pupil in the air by her wrist. The 34-year-old had taught at the school for seven years, but resigned after being suspended in March 2019. It was also alleged she made inappropriate comments while pupils were present, such as, get her away from me, I've had enough, and she's been a right brat. Disciplinary panels concluded she used excessive force against children. Her teacher, Hayley King, has issued a statement to the podcast. This is what it says. We were shocked and distressed when these incidents were reported. After several years at the school as a teaching assistant, Miss Culver had been moving successfully towards a full teaching qualification. There were no previous concerns about her conduct. However, the school took the appropriate action and suspended Miss Culver when the incidents were reported by members of staff. Her actions cannot be condoned even in a challenging situation. The school followed the correct procedures now confirmed by the ban imposed by the Teaching Regulation Authority. A blaze which tore through a Kent holiday park and destroyed several caravans is now being treated as suspicious. The fire broke out at Haven or Hallows Leisure Park on Saturday night. Three people had to be treated for the effects of breathing in smoke. Police are hunting a man who broke into a home in Folkestone and attacked the owner with a pole. He climbed through a window of the property on St Michael Street in the early hours of Sunday but ran off without taking anything. We've got a description of the suspect at Kent Online. Two people have been arrested following a police chase involving a stolen Maserati in Maidstone. The luxury car failed to stop for officers on the M20 and was followed through the town yesterday. It was eventually brought to a halt with a stinger and the suspects ran into nearby fields. One was caught and the other was found by a dog handler. Now, a Kent driving instructor is predicting a growing demand from people who want to learn in electric cars. It's a big push for us to make the switch as part of plans to tackle climate change. And in fact, the sale of new petrol and diesel cars is going to be banned by 2030. Well, John Eddy runs Ready to Drive in Sittingbourne and Medway, and he started using electric cars for lessons in 2020. He's urging us to overcome our misconceptions about learning to drive an automatic instead of a manual. I'd seen electric cars, the the Nissan Leaf, back in 2010 uh, and really liked it. But the the cost was just too high and the range on the cars just didn't work. Um, So I kept on going with the the diesel car at the time. And then 2019, I was due to change cars. And I was looking at the costs of running it. It now made sense at that point to move across the 
the price for doing high mileage as we do as instructors it just made sense to do it and it's something i'd always wanted to do for a long time and is that for environmental reasons or something else environmental and cost i guess um i've, I've been into environment type side stuff quite a lot I'm into the led light bulbs when they first came out and anything will sort of bring costs down but it's environmentally friendly it's worthwhile doing yeah, absolutely. Um, so what kind of response do you get from learners who maybe contact you looking to do driving lessons? Do they come to you because you've got the electric cars or is it something they find out? And, and then what do they think about it? At the moment, it's probably a small percentage, probably about 20 percent people come because it's electric. The others come because it's automatic. And obviously, with everything that's happened in the last two years in terms of COVID, there's a big backlog on the driving tests and people just want to drive. And it, there's a shortage of instructors overall. So People are now thinking, just get instructed. They don't care if it's manual or automatic. They just want to get driving and get out on the roads. Um, but there is an increasing amount of people that are aware of the electric cars and that around there. Yeah, definitely, because I know we're all seeing a lot more electric cars on the roads now. Um, but do you think many people realise they can actually learn to drive in one? Probably not at the moment. Um, some of the people come to me and they're getting the car first time around and you have to explain it's an electric car. And it's like, oh, I thought it was automatic. It's, it's both um and you get the parents that contact us uh, and they want their kids to learn to drive and you explain to them that yeah electric's the way forward because they probably asked for manual to begin with and you, you ask them why they've asked for manual and it's what they've always done so they want the kids to do the same and there's not this realization that in 2030 all new cars will be electric only or non-fossil fuel um the biggest downside i guess is is the cost to people at the moment because you know, those prices are still quite high yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a big upfront cost having to sort of invest in an electric vehicle, but yeah. you, you do save some money, obviously, with, with petrol and diesel prices so high at the moment as well. Have you seen more interest in electric cars because of that? Absolutely. You can't buy an electric car from the dealers at the moment because they've all sold out because everyone's now trying to get hold of them because of the petrol price. If they go to £2 a litre, um, then yeah, it's going to push even more people. Um, but if you look at most people buy cars on finance, and if you work out what mileage you're doing, what servicing you require an electric car compared to a petrol or diesel, the prices work out very similar. So back in 2019, I had a, a mini diesel. And when I got my electric car in 2020, it was the same price to run as a mini diesel. But the, the actual list price of the car, electric, was double the price. So it, it's looking at those monthly costs. It's an interesting one. We'd love to know what you think. You can let us know by getting in touch. It's news at thekmgroup.co.uk. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. We're being asked what we think about plans to make Medway's roads safer and reduce congestion. Council bosses want to enforce more traffic offences like driving through a no-entry sign and stopping in a yellow box junction. A public consultation's running until the end of July. It's claimed plans by the ambulance service that covers Kent to bring in new vehicles could have seen staff sacked due to their body shape. Seacam had planned to move to a van-based fleet, but the GMB union says vehicles would not be safe for those who are too tall or small. It's hoped all jobs will now be safe after a backlash. The Ambulance Trust says it's working with unions to understand the implications for the handful of staff that may be affected. A popular takeaway in Canterbury has announced its closing at the end of this week. Pork & Co say they're leaving the city centre but will carry on serving their food at events and festivals. 
The Kent travel expert's been working on a new guide to help us make informed decisions about ethical destinations and trips. The Good Trip Index ranks countries based on things like sustainability, women's rights, quality of life and animal welfare. While Sweden, Denmark and Switzerland are considered the most responsible, Morocco and Egypt are among popular holiday spots ranked the worst. Lucy has been chatting with Aunt Clark Cowell, who lives in Hythe and is from Holiday Extras. They set up the guide. We were really surprised by that number that two thirds of uh, people when they're selecting holiday are, are concerned about this kind of stuff. Even more surprising was that one in 10 uh, people said that was the most important thing for them when selecting a holiday destination. So I think it really does just show that people are becoming much more aware. They want to have a good impact on the world. Uh, and they recognise really that, you know, travel um, really needs things to look good, for uh, landscapes to be uh, well kept, uh, wildlife to be in place, history, culture, all those things are really important to travel. And so I think people are realising that they've got to have a really positive impact uh, when they go away uh, as much as anything else. Yeah, I suppose it's something you you maybe wouldn't have always thought about if you're going on holiday somewhere. You want somewhere that's, you know, a beautiful place and, you know, you might not necessarily think about those other issues that are going on in that country. No, that's right. And we, you know, we always say that you've got a, you've got a personal uh, obligation, if you like, to leave only footprints when you go away. But people are, I think people are often now also saying, well, I want to go somewhere and support a country that is doing good things uh, in the areas that they're most interested in. That's really why we put the Good Trip Index together. So talk me through some of the findings of the research. What countries came out on top? What countries were perhaps not so good? Well, as I said, the the Good Trip Index takes seven different indices that um, other organisations have put together and puts it in one place. And really what we, what we did there was we, of those seven indices, we then ranked countries um, according to how well they scored on each of the seven to create an overall score for Good Trip. Um, and uh, Northern European countries tend to do pretty well, Scandinavia particularly. Um, so Sweden, Denmark, fin Finland and Norway are all in the top five. Uh, so if you want a good trip where those where destinations are, are really scoring high on lots of the different indices, they're the places to go. Um, specifically uh, for other areas, somewhere like Canada has a really good record for LGBTQI plus rights. Uh, Netherlands does very well for women's rights. So it's, it's all there on the index. You can go in and have a look at each different um, each different factor and see which destinations do best. Brilliant. And what if someone has already booked a trip to somewhere that maybe isn't scoring so highly? Is there anything they can do to sort of limit their own impact when they go to that country? Well, look, the, the Good Trip Index absolutely isn't designed to tell people that this place is good and that place is bad. You know, um, every destination uh, in the world has people that live there that depend on tourism for its uh, for the local economy. People need that business in order to to survive. And so we're absolutely not saying that people shouldn't go on holiday to places, even if they're lower down on this list. Um, you can have a good trip in places that are further down the list. I think you have an obligation uh, to make sure that you are looking after the landscape, the economy, the people of those those destinations. And I think, you know, just choosing careful, carefully and being mindful of the issues that you might have. And if there's a specific issue there that that will that will affect you personally, I think it's just knowing in advance what what that is and then uh, preparing and planning accordingly. Kent Online reports. 
There's been a record number of sightings of a threatened butterfly species in Kent. More than 500 of the Duke of Burgundy have been spotted across 13 colonies. That's a 185% increase since they were last recorded in 2020. A home near Gravesend that could be one of the most environmentally friendly in Kent has gone on the market. The five-bed property in Mepham includes solar panels, triple glazed windows, a rainwater harvesting system to flush the toilets and an electric vehicle charging point. And while they might all cut the bills, you'd probably need to win the lottery to live there. It's on sale for a million pounds. A little bit cheaper. One of the top rated restaurants in Ashford is on the market. Amici was set up eight years ago and is ranked second in the town on TripAdvisor. The leasehold for the Italian restaurant is available for 120,000. And it's the longest day of the year and it looks like we're going to be able to enjoy the sunshine well into the evening. The summer solstice saw the sun rise at a very early 20 to 5 this morning and it won't set until about 20 past 9 tonight. Kent Online Sport. Football and former Gillingham player Scott Lindsay has been named as head coach at Swindon Town. He was previously in charge of Chatham Town but left a year ago. He'll manage his new team against the Jills in League Two this season. Staying with football and Gillingham midfielder Stuart O'Keefe says he's feeling positive ahead of a return to training this week. The 31-year-old won the Supporters Player of the Year award last season when they were relegated to League Two. It's not clear whether he'll still be the captain as boss Neil Harris continues to build the squad. And in cricket, Kent are back in T20 blast action tonight. The Spitfires welcome Gloucestershire to Canterbury following another disappointing defeat at the weekend to Middlesex. The defending champions have won only two of their ten matches in the competition so far. Play tonight gets underway at seven. We'll have details of the result in breakfast bulletins over on our sister radio station KMFM tomorrow morning. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.